my grandpa, my mom, super optimistic. They, you know, if they wouldn't let me come downstairs, my mom, uh, if I had a negative attitude, you know, they, she'd send me back upstairs and say, we're not starting the morning. Go, go pray. Uh, thanks to God. Ask for 10 people that you can help. Hi, this is Thomas Austin, the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where we share stories, tips, specific strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome any adversity in your life. Whether you are struggling with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, confidence, self-esteem issues, problems in your relationships at home, you're being bullied, whatever it is. I have interviewed over 50 people in seven different countries on what they've gone through as a teen, how they overcame it, and how you can too. If you haven't done so already, I provide a link in the description. Please download my free ebook. It's called The 52 Tips I Wish Someone Told Me in High School. These are life-changing tips that I have learned over the past 28 years. I learned from interviewing these 50-plus people from all around the world. And I go into different topics like your career, your school, your relationships, your health, your mental health. So go ahead. It's only like a 30-minute read. The link is in the description. Please download my free ebook. If you know a friend, a classmate, or family member who is struggling in life and in this negative funk, please share the Teenage Impact podcast with them because it's the best podcast out there for any teenager to listen to if they're going through some type of struggle in life. Today's podcast guest is David Meltzer. He is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, a three-time international best-selling author, a top 100 business coach, the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one business show, The Elevator Pitch, and the host of Top Entrepreneur's podcast, The Playbook. His life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people from around the world. His dad left his family at five years old, and his single mother had a hard time financially supporting the family. Give it up to David Meltzer as we talk about thinking in abundance while facing adversity. Thank you so much, David, for tuning in in the Teenage Impact Podcast. How are you doing? Amazing. This is uh, something that's really important to me. Obviously, my life's mission is to impact a thousand people, to impact a thousand people, to impact a thousand people, to be happy. So teenage impact is really important. Uh, perfect. I, I remember actually starting to follow you about two years ago, a little bit over two years ago, and you, I messaged you asking uh, advice, and you actually responded back. <laughs> You gave me some good advice. So it's, it's crazy how I'm interviewing you, you right now. Oh, that's awesome. Well, people can even text me if they want, and I'll still get it back to them. So uh-huh. I'll be happy uh, to put into the show notes my text number for people to text me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what inspired me about you is that your story. You know, a lot of my guests have gone through some type of adversity as a teenager. And you talk a lot about how your dad left you, dad left at five years old, and your mom had to raise you and your siblings as a single mother. How is that like? You know, I'm probably different than a lot of people. Besides the financial stress, uh, I probably had a great childhood because my mom was so extraordinary. Um, You know, didn't always have the best food or enough food, and we had a lot of financial stress, but... My mom uh, pushed us to have character value, uh, also to be happy, to be educated. She wanted us to pursue our potential. Uh, she used two special tools. You know, I know teenagers are li- listening to that. My mom woke me up at 5 a.m. every day 
Uh, <laughs> and she guilted me almost to death. And so if your parents wake you up early and they use a lot of guilt, you know, it beats a lot of other mechanisms to push you to be your best. And uh-huh. that's really what I try to do is help teenagers, you know, feel as if they must be what they can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember my mom yelling my name every single, every single morning to wake me up. But during those toughest times, uh, obviously, you know, your mom was a great mother and you went through some financial stress. What are some lessons you learned during those moments? Uh, you know, during those times, there's two, two things I learned. Uh, one is to find uh, what you love to do. Find the light in what you love to do. Uh, my grandpa, my mom, super optimistic. They, you know, if they wouldn't let me come downstairs, my mom, uh, if I had a negative attitude, you know, they, she'd send me back upstairs and say, we're not starting the morning. Go, go pray. Uh, thanks to God. Ask for 10 people that you can help. Uh, my mom would always have us volunteering, even though we didn't have enough. We were always volunteering to help other people. Uh, she made me say thank you before I went to bed. Uh, mm-hmm. Gratitude to me became a cornerstone to everything that I did. My mom would always say uh, two things, either that's not gracious or she'd say, you're going below the line. Uh, that meant in blame, shame, or justification. My mom taught accountability from the time I was very young. She would always say the only two questions to ask. One, what did you do to attract this to yourself? And two, what are you supposed to learn from it? Absolutely. Not anybody else's fault. Don't justify what happened. Just learn the lesson. Lessons will keep coming in life. They keep keep coming. They result in pain only when you haven't learned the lesson. Mm-hmm. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual pain only when you haven't learned the lesson. So if you're experiencing pain right now, then you seek to learn the lesson either through experience yourself or ask others for help. And I actually learned that lesson um, in my early 20s uh, when I was 22 years old. I remember I was going through some deal of pain and I read a book by Jack Canfield called Success Principles. And taking responsibility for all your actions is actually the first principle that can completely change your life. Yeah. And I wrote a book with Jack Canfield called Creating the Life You Love. Uh Uh-huh which includes uh, kind of the advancements of some of those principles in order to effectuate loving what you do, learning to find the light, the lessons and the love in everything that you do, giving you the perspective, the mindset. You know, one of the most powerful mentors I had was a guy named Jack Camp, uh, Jack Campbell. Yes, he was one as well. Who's now my friend, but Wayne Dyer, Wayne Wayne Dyer talked about changing the way you look at things. So the things you look at change. And not only is that theoretically true in your life, but physically, metaphysically true in your life, that what you look at in the way you look at it changes the way it is. Mm-hmm. I started to, instead of trying to change the exterior environment that I lived in, was I was changing the interior environment, which Absolutely. I what I see. Mm-hmm. And then you went to college, you went to law school, and then you're at the point where you had two options to either sell legal research online or become a, a lawyer. So what path did you take and what did you do after that to make your first million dollars within nine months? Yeah, so that's a great question for the impactfulness that teenagers is. One, I respect my mother. So I went to her for advice, right? Uh, I still, I, I respect my mother and I go to her for advice. 
But I take that advice, even if I don't ask for it, uh, like a handful of sand, right? I listen to it. I'm grateful for it. I tell her I understand. I never thought of it that way. My mom told me specifically that the internet was going to be a fad and that I should be a real lawyer. And what year is this? In 1992. Uh-huh. Uh, I... I I took that for the first time instead of just blindly listening to my mom as if she said doctor, lawyer, or failure, or all, all the other piece of advices that she gave. And I finally told myself, I'm going to appreciate my mom's advice, but she's a second grade teacher. I'm going to mitigate my risk from what my mom says. I'm going to take the bar, pass the bar, but I'm going for it. I'm going to vote for what I want. I'm going to elect in my life what I want. I'm not going to vote for what my mom wants. So I elect what my mom wants and then resent my mom or, or, or be disappointed by what my mom wanted and blame her for my life. I was going to take control and vote for what I wanted. So I decided to sell legal research online. And my goal was to be rich for my mom. I wanted to buy her a house and a car. Uh, I always say everybody already knows their why. Their why is to help somebody or something at all times. So you need, uh, you know, for me to figure out, okay, how am I going to make enough money I took the job that I felt was going to make more money. That was simply why I took that job. And then I reverse engineered by looking at things. I call it the power of 64 in my book called Connected to Goodness. And here's how I, through math, think that anybody can outproduce and be successful. Number one, most people work on average eight hours productive a day. Mm-hmm. I got focused and told myself, I'm going to work 16 hours productive a day. I'm going to be productive 16 hours a day. Then I'm going to create systems of efficiency so that my 16 hours of productivity turned into 32 hours of productivity. Then I was going to be consistent and persistent in that efficiency and discipline to practice what I did to get better at it so that my 32 hours of productivity became 64 hours of productivity. Then I was going to take the word work out of my vocabulary and start focusing in on activity I get paid for and activity I did get paid for. I was going to vacation every day of my life. Instead of taking long vacations, I was going to minimum five minutes a day, take a vacation five minutes a day. Five minutes a day is worth more than five hours on a weekend. Mm -hmm. So I was actually vacationing more than everybody else that was working. I was had more activity in my life that I got paid for than activity I don't get paid for. Because I was vacationing every day and have activity I got paid for every day, my productivity was 64 hours a day times seven days a week. So in nine months, when I blew out the $250,000 comp plan that they gave me and made a million dollars, and they gave me all these awards for being the top sales guy and making so much money, I was laughing on the inside because in actuality, I never even hit my comp plan. I just beat them with math. I worked 10 years in nine months. Yeah, I was productive, which was equal to what most sales guys took 10 years to do. I did it in nine months through that 64 hours of production, seven days a week. Then it comes across that other question. How do you not burn out? How do you consistently stay productive without burning out? Well, there is no burnout in what I do because I have this idea of shifting the paradigm of motivation. I think that motivation is temporary. Uh, I believe in inspiration. I believe that I'm consistently always connected to the greatest source of energy light that there is. I'm focused strictly on clearing the interference or corrosion that I've created through that connection. This is how I work. And so having that perspective, I vacation every day. So how many people do you know vacation every day? And I know compound interest of time. 
compound interest of time saying, if I have a minimum of five minutes a day of vacation, then I'm going to have a minimum, right, of five hours a week of vacation. How many people do you know that get five hours a week of vacation? Why would I ever get burned out? Because I understand compound interest of time. Uh, and a lot of times when I talk about it's a minimum of five minutes of vacation. My life is getting so good that I probably have a minimum of what I consider five hours of vacation a day, which is equivalent to 50 hours vacation on a Saturday. So I'm thinking, you know, what most people get in yeah. a week, I get in a week of vacation time uh, of that enjoyment. And so, uh, you know, I don't think there's such thing as burnout. I think that people that get burned out are just creating too much interference and corrosion to what they're already connected to, an incredible source of light, love, and lessons. You probably answered this question so many times, but the, the part where you go from uh, $200 million, you lose it all, and then we gain it right back. Yeah. So, um, you know, you don't overnight lose over $100 million. And the $100 million, just to clarify, too, was on paper, right? It wasn't uh -huh. just sitting in my bank account. Uh -huh. That takes a lot of work. You know, I was leveraged into a lot of different businesses, venture capital, real estate, technology, all types of different things. Uh, but over the years, by surrounding myself with the wrong people, the wrong idea, by allowing myself to live in ego-based consciousness, I created enough corrosion and interference to the truth uh, that I lost everything. Uh, and what I decided to do after I lost everything, uh, I actually decided to do this two years before I lost everything. I was already on this journey, but to shift the paradigm of value. I was gonna make room for what I want by being a servicer of value to everybody else. This paradigm shift was critical in being productive, accessible, and gracious in everything that I did. I created a direct path to revenue. I wasn't working anymore. Uh, you know, I have a saying, don't get so busy uh, working, you forget to make money. I shifted that paradigm and said, I'm going to look to the activity I get paid for the most efficient, effective, and statistically successful way. And that was to buy things low and sell things high. So I started to leverage and ask for help from the people that had the most expensive things to sell, how I could be of service and find a margin that would create for me. And so within weeks, I had many different opportunities to make money that was a direct path to revenue that weren't complex business plans of developing compliance software or you know working at the world's first smartphone or legal research online mm -hmm. or wireless proxy service space. Uh, you know, I invested in all kinds of things and ran all kinds of business. This was simple. I was going to buy stuff that people wanted and create a margin. So you wanted to buy a house in Malibu and you got 10 million. I was going to find a house, you know, and get it for 8 million and sell it to you for 10. It's that simple. And I was going to leverage relationships by asking two series of questions, one series of questions of how I could be of service and of value. That's how I found the opportunity. And then two, ask a series of questions on if and how you could help me. So once I determined how I could be of service of value by asking a series of questions, not one question, hey, how can I help you? But a series of questions, open-ended and closed-ended questions, determine how I can provide value. I then turned around and asked a series of questions of how you can help me. There's a margin, a quantitative margin that's created. It's called profit. And I became very profitable with what I call a direct path to revenue and spending my time being more interested than interesting by researching and doing due diligence, by getting alignment with people of what they have and what they need, taking action, but most importantly, preparing for adjustment to not only be passionate and purposeful, but most importantly, this direct path to profitability. Mm -hmm. 
I also heard the story where when you lost everything, uh, you were writing a check to a, a big check to some charity. Yeah. To help people get through college, right? Was yeah. That college. So. And that just shows you that money is abundant. Uh, Tony Robbins gives this story where he, he pretty much was at his lowest point and gave the rest of his money to this kid for dinner. And then he came back and one of his friends owed him like a thousand bucks and he got like interest. And it shows you that the more you give, the more you receive. Yeah. And I think also it goes to that. I must be what I can be right. Mm-hmm. When you're confident that you must be, I know a story about Sylvester Stallone where he's making the movie Rocky. He had his script sold for a few hundred thousand dollars and he was dead broke. And the guy said, I'll give you 300 grand for the script. And he said, no, I got to be in the film. You know, as long as I'm in the film, I'll sell you my script. And the guy said, not a chance. He negotiated down uh, to $30,000 for that script, Mm -hmm. even though he had earlier sold his dog just so he had enough money to eat. That's the same dog that actually is in the movie, Brutus, that bulldog. That's the dog. So here's here's the most amazing thing about Sylvester Stallone. Out of that $30,000 that he sold, because they said, yes, we'll buy the script and keep you in the movie. The guy that he sold his dog for 50 bucks, uh, he went back to, he wouldn't sell him the dog back. It cost him 15 grand to get his dog back of the mm-hmm. $30,000. That's how much Sylvester Stallone had to be what he can be. Mm-hmm. And that's what Tony Robbins represents. And I totally understand that feeling because I wake up still every morning in an abundant attitude of everything coming through me in a world of more than enough, where even on my first paycheck from Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, I wrote with permission from my wife, a big check to write a scholarship to college from kids who went to my high school. And I continue to give back with everything that I do to charitable purposes and causes to help. Mm-hmm. And one last question. What are three lessons you could provide to a struggling teenager, whether, you know, the parents are going through a divorce, whether they have some type of anxiety, suicidal, whatever it is, what three lessons you could provide to a struggling teenager? Number one, ask for help, right? Don't be afraid. Live with radical humility. Ask for help. Whatever's bothering you, there's someone in your life Uh, that can help you, that has situational knowledge, experiences, and relationships that will help you. You are not alone. Ask for help. Number two, learn and practice gratitude. Just start listing out at night before you go to bed everything that you are grateful for. And then every time you wake up, list out every single thing that you're grateful for. Again, program your conscious, subconscious, and unconscious mind to have a mindset of gratitude. And then finally, be of service. If things aren't going well for you, help somebody else with what they're having trouble with. You know, open a door for someone, help someone across the street, volunteer at the homeless shelter, whatever it is, you will feel much better about yourself when you are helping others as well. So ask for help, be grateful, and provide help. Three best pieces of advice for anyone, let alone teenagers. That is so powerful. Thank you so much, David, for doing this interview. And where can people find you and purchase your book? Yeah, well, number one, if you could text me at 949-298-2905, 949-298-2905, and let me know 
what the most impactful thing in this interview was. I tried to impact as many kids as I can. And it's not what I say, it's what you hear. So if you guys can tell me what you're hearing and what means the most to you from what I've talked about, it'd be very helpful for me too. Um, please uh, find me at David Meltzer, David Meltzer on YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, etc. David Meltzer. My website is dmeltzer.com. I appreciate everyone. I'm here to be of service. Let's do this again. Remember, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Thank you, my buddy. I love it, man. Thank you so much for doing this interview. I appreciate your time. Thanks for your follow. Take care. Take care. Bye. I really, really enjoyed interviewing David Meltzer. Uh, He's extremely humble. I've been following him for over two years. And what I really love about him, even though he has the money, he doesn't have the time, he tries to give back to people as much as possible. And what I really want to you to take away from this is his life story when he was younger. Even though his family struggled financially when he was younger, the biggest thing, lesson, takeaway to take from all this is even through the toughest time, you can think abundantly. Even through the toughest time, you can have a positive mindset. When, you know, he had to sometimes come downstairs to eat breakfast. Anytime he thought negatively, his mom uh, told him to go right back upstairs and give a prayer or say gratitude, give thanks, whatever it is. But when you change your mindset about life, about work, into something a little bit more positive, if your gratitude about life, even though you're struggling through the hardest times, those hard times are not so hard because you start counting your blessings like your family, like your heartbeat, like your health, like the food you're eating, whatever it is, you can think at least three to five things that you're grateful for at any given moment. Even during the toughest times, just remember, you already have everything. And anything that you receive afterwards is just a bonus for you. So thank you, David Meltzer, for the interview. And if you haven't done so already, please follow me on Instagram, at Shlomo Salson. The handle name is in the description. You get to see my personal side on Instagram. A lot of times, you know, I've had thousands of downloads on my podcast from all around the world on Teenage Impact Podcast. And a lot of people don't see my personal side. So go follow me on Instagram, at Shlomo Salson. Until next time, peace.